Well, well, thanks so much for joining us today. Good conversation on shelters, even though it's uh, it's a tough conversation. It can get heated at times. I always appreciate how much you're willing to weigh in, to lend your voice to the conversation. I mean, that's how things get done, right? That's how ideas are born. That's how we understand and get a sense of what community is looking for. And so, trust me, people are listening. People are listening that are in positions that are able to make decisions. And so these conversations are important. And I know we didn't get to all of the texts. I've, I've still got a few of them saved here that I'm hoping I can bring out tomorrow uh, because we will continue this discussion with Pastor Robert Pierce, who will be joining us tomorrow morning at uh, 9 o'clock. By the way, just uh, announced Dustin Duncan, the Minister for Sask Energy, is actually in Ottawa right now on Parliament Hill and uh, posted a video, it sounds like, announcing that Saskatchewan has decided they will not remit the carbon tax. So this is the discussion we've been having for quite a while, right? Whether or not they would actually remit the carbon tax on behalf of the province. They stopped collecting it from you and I, so we're not paying it on home heating, but they still owed that money to the federal government, and they had until the 29th of February, which is today, to decide whether or not they're going to. Dustin Duncan just announced they will not. Will he end up in handcuffs over this? I doubt it. But it is against the law. It is the law to remit your taxes, and uh, the province doesn't get off because they're a province and not an individual. So what the consequences of this will be, we have to find out. Well, Talk about getting outside of your comfort zone and trying something you've never done before. That's what a lot of people do on February 29th. It's it's an excuse to expand your horizons. A lot of people use it as the, op- the opportunity to do something different, the opposite of what you would normally do. It's referred to as Bachelor's Day. It actually originated in Ireland where women propose to men. By the way, if the man says no to the proposal, apparently you're supposed to buy the lady a pair of gloves to hide her hands and the fact that she's not wearing a ring. That's an old Irish tradition. So we decided on the 29th we'd flip the tables a little bit as well. Usually I've got guests on, I've got callers on, I get to ask the questions. So we thought, what about if we open up the phone lines for a little bit of time in the spirit of leap year and we do the opposite? You can ask me. one 332 8255 If you have a question about the Grey Cup, like my caller who's waiting on the line to talk about, I'd be more than happy to hear what it is. 1-877-332-8255. Ian, you're quick on the draw. You're my first caller today from Saskatoon on the topic of what? You get to ask me. Were you doing the play-by-play? Like I, I can't remember how many years you said you were doing it. Were you doing the call in stadium when we uh, had too many men on the field? I was not. I was not. So I did not. Uh, I did not have the experience of doing that. It was 1997 to 2010. I did it for 14 years. The so the 97 season to 2010 were the years that I did the the public address announcing. Actually, is what I did. So yeah. the in stadium announcing. But I actually was. In the CJME building, which uh, in Regina is in the same location now on Saskatchewan Drive, I was in the newsroom 
watching people spill out onto the streets in 1989 when the Riders won the Grey Cup. Uh, I was working a night shift or an evening shift at the radio station at that time. So that's where I was when that game happened. Okay, well, because the reason I was going to ask is, you know, like with this uh, email that the Riders sent out, Mm -hmm. I don't think there was any women that couldn't count to 13. (laughs) No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, I think that's part of the interesting part of this whole thing. And actually, I'm going to be chatting a little bit more about this whole rider girl math thing a little later this morning. But I'll tell you. You can stack our Ryder fans up, and I don't care if we're talking male or female fans. You can stack them up against football fans anywhere in Canada, and I feel our fans are as knowledgeable, if not more, invested, knowledgeable, and energetic about the game. That's why I loved the opportunity to be with the Riders for as many years as I as I was uh, as a public address announcer. So thanks so much for calling in, Ian. one 332 8255 uh, texts are coming in. We actually posted this on Facebook as well last night. So we said, if you have a question that you want to ask me, you can do that. one 332 8255 So Bryn had sent a message in saying, how are you feeling? In your, what, three months in now, is it different than you expected being the new voice of Saskatchewan? How does that feel? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, so, I mean, I was super excited to take on this role. And the day I stepped into it, the nerves hit big time. I listened to John Gormley for years, just like you did, right? I was working as a police officer, and whether I was out in the police car on duty or even when I was in my role as chief of police, I was on with John on a monthly basis. So I had a pretty good idea of what the program was about and how he did it. And so when they when John announced he wanted to retire, which, you know, I don't know that anyone gave him the approval for it, but apparently he just did it anyway. <laughs> and every time I talk to him, it sounds like retirement is wonderful, which is exactly what you want. Uh, but you know what? It's, it's daunting to step into a role like this when, you know, you've had an icon like John Gormley do it for so many years. But, you know, John said it himself when I was taking over, and, I, and I've said it a couple of times. The worst thing I could do is try and be John Gormley because I'm not. I'm a very different person. We have some views are exactly, exactly lined up and in other ways, not. He brings a whole different experience than I bring to the show. And so, you know, I think it's just about, you know, trying to, to provide a show that is interesting, that is on point, that talks about the things that are important to people in the province, uh, and do so in a way that is somewhat entertaining. It's easy to listen to. It's conversational. It allows you to feel like you're part of the conversation. That's, that's all part of it. So, um, you know, I'm loving, I'm loving the opportunity that I have and I grow very quickly. I grew to love you because John told me when you step into this role, you're going to see the importance of the people who listen, who engage, who provide p- feedback and perspective and their opinions. And that's been such an important part of this job. So Bryn, thanks for asking the question. And, uh, there's actually another question here. It's kind of funny. Someone texted, but it was Barb in Regina. Do you always stand up when you're on the air? <laughs> That's a good text. That's a good question. I do most of the time for sure. If you see, sometimes they'll post little videos. Um, and I never know which one they're going to post. So, you know, hopefully my hair looks okay, but when they post those videos, you'll notice a lot of the times I'll be standing every once in a while sitting down, but for the most part, I think it's easier to discuss and talk when I'm, st- I talk with my hands a lot too. So the opportunity to do this, uh, has been good. All right. 
one 332 8255 Less in Corning, you are a regular. You join us on a regular basis, and now it's you asking me a question. Less. And I thank you very much for doing this. <laughs> what uh, have you got for me? Uh, you, as a, as used to be a fairly high-ranking officer of the law, which I respect very dearly. Um, okay, the, two examples. SNC-Lavalin, Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia mass shooting. Um, how far when, okay, Brenda Lucky's gone. How far into the RCMP at the top notch, top notch, we're talking the big guys. How far do you think possibly there could be some corruption? And how far do you think it goes? Well, you know, Les, my honest answer is, I mean, I do not for a second think that there is corruption. Like Brenda Lucky, I knew Brenda very well. I had the opportunity to work with Brenda when she was the assistant commissioner of depot in Regina. So I was chief of police at that time. And But what I do know, what I do know, Les, is the RCMP, like it or not, they face heavy political pressure from from Ottawa, from the federal government. And so this is this very kind of a thin relationship that exists. And we talk, and I got caught up in this when I was chief of police in Regina between the provincial government and even municipal government from time to time because political influence can absolutely change police operations. It can influence the way, you know, police provide community safety. And it and it shouldn't. But I think that's something that the RCMP really, really struggle with. And then you throw in the complexity of the policing that they do, for example, provincial contract policing, uh, which now they're answering to the province, but they're still answering to the federal government. I mean, it gets really, really uh, weird. So, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think uh, for a second that anybody that I've worked with and uh, the current commissioner, Mike Duhem, I've had the opportunity to meet and work with Mike a few times as well. I mean, these are good leaders. These are, uh, you know, these are really Brian Larkin, who's a deputy commissioner with the RCMP. Man, I mean, these are stand-up leaders, incredible people that do incredible work, but they are subject to, I think, extreme pressure on the political front, and that's where things get a little bit uh, complicated. All right, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's take another quick call here, Donna in Regina. Thanks for calling in. What's your uh, question, Donna? Oh, good morning. Uh, this is actually in relation to your police days. When Saskatchewan won the Great Cup in 2013, you guys knew you were going to have like chaos. People, city, yeah, right? that's right, yeah. So, uh, how did you go about controlling it? Like, I mean, I know we and we were out there too, and of course, you see, you know, we saw the police out and everything, but. And also, how many people, like how many officers did you have mm-hmm. out controlling the, sure. the mob? Well, thanks. That's a good question, Donna, and I appreciate you raising it because a big part of of crowd management, and that's what you're talking about, a big part of it is having the officers out there, having them you know, kind of dispersed throughout the crowd, but having them out there basically working with the crowd, building relationships with the crowd, allowing the crowd to have fun right? Picking your battles. And so it's not about if you see a person walking down the street with a beer, for example, it's not about throwing the person on the ground and putting them in handcuffs. The officers will go over and literally say, hey, buddy, big win, give the guy a high five, 
say, listen, can't have the beer in public, but I want you to have a good time tonight. Can we just dump the beer and you guys can continue on with your celebration? I'm telling you 99 times out of 100, the beer gets dumped, the can gets thrown in the garbage, and they high-five the cop and they keep on walking. So crowd management and public order, which is a big part of hosting an event like the Grey Cup, there's a lot of planning that goes into it. And the whole idea is that it should just seem like the cops are there joining in the celebration, having a good time, right? We, we often talk with frontline officers. You should be high-fiving people. You should be smiling at everyone. You should be posing for pictures. If out-of-town people want to pose for pictures, I mean, those things happen. That's part of winning the crowd and getting them on your side. We had police officers that would go to the venues. Cause of course, when you're hosting the gray cup, there's different venues. And, uh, one of them, I think it was at the Edmonton venue, they had music playing and there was a two-step going on. One of the cops went out, grabbed a lady and uh, did, did some two-stepping on the floor. Right? Some people would maybe look at that and think that's ridiculous. I applaud it. I applaud it because I think those are the ways like we are all from Saskatchewan. We are all rider fans. 2013, who wasn't pumped up and excited that the Riders won the Grey Cup? And so it's joining in that festivity and making it part of the celebration, understanding that the cops are there to make sure everybody is safe and they have a role to play. But really, that's that's what is part of it. I think we had about 160 police officers that were deployed on the day of the Grey Cup, and uh, we had no problems. In fact, if I remember correctly, through the whole week, I actually am not sure we made one arrest. I don't think we did. I know we didn't at the game, but I, I don't think we did during the week as well, which to me is a success story for sure. There's a few more texts with questions. I'm going to get to them in a second. We'll take a quick break. Because it's leap year, we're turning the tables. We're doing the opposite of what we normally would, and we're giving you a chance to ask me the questions. More questions, more of your you know, someone texted in, do you think Justin will take a long walk in the snow? I'll give you my thoughts on that when we come back right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Because it's leap day today, we decided to flip the tables a little bit and give you a chance to ask me the questions. I got a text here saying, Evan, do you think Justin will take a long walk in the snow? Just like his dad did. Well, you know what? He missed the opportunity. It should have been last night because 40 years ago last night was when Pierre took the walk in the snowstorm. And then on leap year day, the 29th of February, 1984, announced that's it. The theatrics that you would expect from Pierre Elliott Trudeau saying on that day that he is not going to stay on as the leader. Will Justin do that? No. I, I mean, you know... I don't think, I don't know if, if, if it's that Justin feels like he's got unfinished business, if he doesn't have the self-awareness to understand that he is quickly losing support, even amongst liberal supporters, right? They did that survey recently that only 3%, only 3% of liberal supporters think that he would be the best leader to head into this next election. And yet we don't see him going anywhere. Okay. Well, we're almost out of time. I got a couple quick answers here. If you were buying a sports car, what would you buy, says Barry? I bought a Corvette two years ago. Call it a midlife crisis if you want. Yes, it's squishy in there, although comfortable, but I'm a big man. Getting into a low-to-the-ground Corvette is a little bit challenging, but I wanted to take it off my bucket list. Fritz says, if... If you could interview someone, if you were doing this show in the 80s, who would your ultimate guest be? I would say Ronald Reagan. 
I would have loved to have seen, like that guy. I think he was a great leader. I think he was charismatic. He could lighten the mood. He told a few jokes. Um, I don't know. I, I was a big Ronald Reagan fan. I remember him well growing up and, uh, I would say that's who I would have, uh, loved to have interviewed. Well, I know we're out of time. Sorry. We didn't get to all the texts and the calls, but, uh, we'll do this again sometime. We won't wait for another leap year. We'll do it again. It was a bit of a test to see how it would go. Thanks so much for your, your questions. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.